As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think everybody thought that the offense would be the dominant factor on this team, and it was for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like the last six or eight weeks it's changed, and the defense mm-hmm. sort of led the charge. What allowed that transformation to take place, and did you think that was possible? Uh, I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, like, we're a team. And, you know, offense going to have their days, defense going to have their days. You know, as long as we got each other back, we're going to be all right. Fifteen weeks in now, where do you think this defense stacks up? As far as what? In, in the NFL. We're the best defense. For sure. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Okay. Cowboys wrapping up the season here, but we've got the Washington football team again. What's going to happen? Are they going to wrap up the division here soon? We'll find out. We're going to talk about it all in this episode of About Them Cowboys. It's the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome in. I'm Kent, producing and welcoming in a star-studded cast. A big show for you guys today. We're welcoming back to the show. It's at Dalton B. Miller. It's Dalton Miller from the Pro Football Network joining us. Welcome back, Dalton. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, we got a lot of Cowboys thoughts to uh, get caught up with you on, but we're also welcoming in Saad Yusuf because the NHL is off duty for a while. So Saad, I'm hereby putting you on Cowboys duty, Cowboys podcast duty, until the NHL is playing games again. I'm sure you'll be covering the beat, but since you won't be at games, we'll have Saad on to uh, to break it all down. And then we've got, of course, Kevin Catesy Turner from the Eagle and Sports and Such, and Father John Mashoda from The Athletic. KT, star-studded show. Let's get into it. Yeah, so it's weird that we can't really even talk much about Washington or what would happen on Sunday night because God knows who's even going to be playing in that game at this point. I mean, Washington, as we record this on Tuesday night, um, Washington just lost to Philadelphia in a Garrett Gilbert game. 27 to 17. So if you ever think things are bad with the Cowboys, just remember that Washington was running Garrett Gilbert out. We've already been through that. We don't have to cross that bridge again. Hopefully. Knock on wood. Right? So, um, John, let's start there. COVID stuff and injuries. Where are we at middle of the week? I'd say Tyron Smith probably won't play in this game, which is a good thing. I, I think you need to give him the rest and just have him come back for the playoffs. 
so, I mean, there's a chance he hasn't been ruled out. You know, last week at this time, Mike McCarthy had already ruled Tyron Smith out, but I don't, I don't see him playing in this game. But everybody else, you know, barring COVID, uh, seems like they should be good. Uh, Oso Digizua and Tristan Hill are still on the COVID reserve list, so they still have to be cleared. Uh, so I guess it's not guaranteed that they'll be in the game, but uh, it's possible. Um, just And the reason why I say that is because of how quickly um, – uh, I'm drawing a blank here uh, – Cedric Wilson came back. Like mm-hmm. one day they told us he had he was on the COVID list, and then they were like, yeah, he's got a chance to – you know, if he gets two negative tests, he can play. And on Friday, we're getting getting ready to pack up my stuff after McCarthy's media availability. And we're told that Cedric Wilson passed his second test and he's good to go. So you can't rule anything out right now. Um, but I'd say Tyron Smith is the most notable one. So that means another week of Terrence Steele at left tackle with some Ty Nisecki. And the reason why that they're doing that rotation is the Cowboys just like Ty Nisecki a lot more pass blocking, which seems kind of crazy to rotate guys off. But they did that against the Giants, and you know what? They probably can get away with it against Washington and probably even at the end of the year against Philadelphia. But obviously when you're playing good teams, you're not going to be able to rotate out offensive linemen, so you're hoping that Tyron Smith will be back for that game. Uh, Outside of that, you got Ezekiel Elliott. I still don't think he's going to be 100% at any point this season, but he looked like he was doing a little bit better on Sunday. And then the same thing with Tony Pollard. I don't know that he'll you ever completely get past plantar fasciitis until the offseason, but he looked a little bit better. Uh, you know, better than I thought he would do uh, against New York. So that was a positive there. So I would say that those would be the most notable ones. Oh, and then one last one I'll just say is that, I don't know if you guys remember last week, but DeMarcus Lawrence went out of that practice because of the foot issue. And you can tell talking to him after the game, it's the, he's going to deal with that for the rest of the season. And so they're going to manage him in practice and, and maybe even on the field a little bit. Uh, but I don't think he's 100%. But obviously looking at the way he played against New York, whatever that percentage he's at is probably good enough. Dalton, what do you think about the left side of the offensive line, Connor Williams and uh, Tynasecki and Terrence Still when they get to play? What do you think about them on Sunday? Well, the the tackle duo was an interesting little thing that happened for this game, and I've never seen in my time watching two guys actually go in and out of the game consistently. That was a weird happening to me, but it, it didn't really matter because Connor Williams at left guard was fantastic. He came in and, you know, he was a decent player before he got benched for Connor McGovern. And I understood the McGovern experiment. I understood trying to figure out what you need going into next season. If you're going to want to look to draft or get a, an interior offensive lineman in free agency, or if you're going to try to get Connor Williams back on a, a cheap ish deal. Um, but he came in, there were no penalties, no holding penalties. That's something that fans hated quite a bit. And they ran the ball incredibly well to the left side. And they ran the ball outside as well. And they used Connor Williams pulling, you know, a lot of of guard power. And it looked really good against the Giants. And and it's not a great team that they were playing against. But it was good to see a little bit of flow from the rushing attack again. Yeah, Saad, how close do you think we are? I mean, everyone to answer this, but let Saad go first here. Like, how close do you think we are to the offense? Because you could feel the strides a little bit on Sunday and there's just enough there to make you kind of go, Oh, we're not there yet, but it does feel like we're starting to knock on the door of heaven's gate, right? Yeah, I think so. I think once the offensive line really does come together, I think that's the, that's the puzzle. That's, that's the piece to the puzzle that really needs to fit the right way before it really all gets going. Dak looked better 
Um, the receivers are all healthy, and once as long as they're healthy, I think uh, I, I think you know Dak is going to find them. They'll be okay. Dalton Schultz got going again, so Dalton Schultz is going. Dak is going good again. The receivers are healthy. We all know what they're capable of when they play. I think the offensive line is the final piece, and you know just once that once that all comes together, even if Tyron isn't there. Um, as long as the other guys can do it, I think that's all that really matters, and I think they'll get going again. I think it's closer. Don't get me wrong. I think they're getting closer. It just Zeke, and, and I said this after the game, and I know people don't want to hear this, but there is a part of me that thinks that maybe when they play better competition, maybe they're a little bit more locked in. I know it sounds I was gonna say silly, Zeke, and I was it's gonna like say these are professional athletes, and this yeah. offensive line and the receivers are you know, finally all out there together. They're one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. Why isn't this clicking? So I think that's part of it. I don't think that's the only reason. But then the other thing is that this whole too high safety thing is really thrown off Dak. I mean, he really is pressing to try and make these big plays. And a lot of them really aren't there. And I kind of find it interesting that, you know, of course, he's going to say to us that he doesn't you know, pay attention to what's going on on the outside. And he's not listening to the outside noise and things like that. But it's just like the Dak Prescott that I've got to be around since 2016, like very rarely do you ask him a question about anything. It doesn't even have to just be the Cowboys or football in general. Like he has a take on it because he stays up on like so many different topics. He's just a knowledgeable guy. I find it hard to believe that he keeps up on so many things, but he's not keeping up on what people are saying about his play. I just, it just, I think it's natural for him to know what is being said out there. And I think because of that, I think he's, trying to make some big plays happen. I'm not saying it's every single play or every time he drops back, but I, but particularly the fumble. Uh, I mean, I think that's one that will stand out where he probably could have thrown underneath the Michael Gallup, maybe gotten a first down and just kept moving with the chains and keep going. But I think especially because they're playing some of these just lesser teams that they know that they can beat, that they're trying some stuff and it just isn't working, you know? And so I asked Callum Moore the other day, like, do you guys save anything? Like, is this one of these things where you guys know you're going to make the playoffs, so you're not going to run certain plays? And he's like, no, we're trying to still win these games. We're trying to use whatever we have, you know, in the bag uh, to try and win these games. We're not really holding anything back and saving. And that is more of a college football thing. I, you just hear these things people talk about, like, you know, there's certain things that Ohio State will save for, like, the Michigan game and things like that. Well, yeah, that's you can do that if you're, like, in Ohio State because you're like, how many chances are we really going to be tested during the regular season? We're going to be the favorite significantly against most of these teams. So maybe you save a player or two for that. I don't think you can get away with that in the NFL. I just saw some people talking about that on Twitter during the game. So I was like, you know what? I'll ask Kellen, you know, why not? Yeah, this offense still scares me a little bit. And not having a downfield presence is really the biggest thing. And it's weird because, you know, when you talk about too high, the areas that you would really like to attack are along the sidelines and then up the middle of the field. Not having Blake Jarwin, I think, is a big loss because as good as Dalton Schultz has been for this team, he's not really been the seam weapon that Blake Jarwin was when he was healthy. And then for some reason, he and Michael Gallup have just not been really on the same page. And that's you know kind of continued on to outside down the field as well. Um, he's made some big plays. He's been great around the sideline when he and Dak are on the same page, but they haven't been on the same page as much since Dak came back from his injury. I don't know if they changed some of the checks up because I know that they had used a lot of the same hand motion, hand signals and, and check calls for a long time. And, and that's, you know, giving them some miscommunications, but it has not looked pretty for Dak Prescott in this receiving core recently. 
Um, I think they need to get some of those explosive plays back if they're going to really make a legitimate run in the playoffs because they're not just going to be able to throw underneath all day against these teams. Yeah, I think one one thing to add to that, though, to what Dalton just said, I, I remember talking to Dak a couple of years ago and I and just, you know, I did a story on him about just, you know, how much how much does rhythm matter to him? And um, and rhythm does matter. Like, I mean, just to get in the flow, like, you know, whatever the game that was a few games ago where he overthrew Gallup and on the first play down the right sideline, like that matters. Like that sets a tone for him as a quarterback. I remember he told me he was like he was like those kind of things. He does feed off of it. And so along those lines, uh, CD Lamb, like those drops can't happen because yeah. because that's not just that's not just hurting that play. That's not that play not happening. That's Dak not being able to get into the rhythm that he needs to. So I think it's all it all comes together. But at the same time, I, you know, as long as Dak is going, and if you don't think CD's drops are you know a chronic issue, which I'm, I'm teetering on it, but I don't. I, he's too skilled. He's too talented for me to think that that's just going to happen forever. Yeah, and I also think it feels like we've been well, we have. It feels like we've been beating this dead horse for for a month and a half. The problem is, I just said it's a dead horse, and it's not. It's still an issue that we're still trying to figure out. But there's two things that really jump out to me. One is something that might be a little more technical, and I, Dak's never been like a model of like great footwork as a, as a quarterback. And going back to when he was drafted, but it feels like when he's got, when he's you seem like to me. I'm noticing like crawl in the pocket a little more, and when he's on, he's kind of bouncing and he's kind of popping here and there. It's a tough thing to, to judge because every pass rush, you know, every snap is different. But sometimes it feels like Dak is just kind of crawling a little bit up in the pocket, and he's not bouncing around and not as fluid. The, the other thing that I would say that I think just wipes out everything, and I think this kind of where I where I'm at, and I'm, I have to put a disclaimer on it that I'm not killing Zeke here. But again, if you just run the ball effectively and make the defense give a damn about you running the football, because right now these defenses clearly don't. They do not care. If you wanted to run the football, they do not care. They know that you haven't done it effectively. Until you start doing that again, they're going to stay in too high. And that's still going to be a problem. And they're going to stay in a bunch of these zone coverages that Dak's seeing. And I feel like if we could get, get some teams out of that a little bit, I think he'd get that confidence back. And I think... There's the beginning of a stride, but then that might go back to the offensive line. It might be going to who you're giving more carries to and all that. But I, I really think it's been over a month. Maybe we're getting close to two months now since a team has given a shit about the Cowboys running the football. They just don't care. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the whole Connor Williams, Connor McGovern switch also happened. Not, I mean, Connor Williams is the better option at left guard. We saw that on Saturday. I didn't necessarily think that all season, but I think now after getting to see a little bit of sample of both, this is the, what they put out there on Sunday, adding in obviously Tyron Smith when he gets back. That's, I think that's their best rotation, but you, you put in McGovern back at fullback because it gives you a chance to establish that, that running game a little bit better because let's be honest, Ezekiel, Tony Pollard, all of a sudden aren't going to be a hundred percent this season. This is what you have. You're not adding some free agent running back. You're not, you know, there's no way to improve it significantly. Uh, you know, adding Corey Clement, this is what you got. So how do you, how do you adjust to that? You add in a fullback and not a lot of teams do that obviously anymore. You know, obviously Mike McCarthy did that with John Kuhn and green Bay, uh, and it had some success. And so, 
that's part of the, the reason, because I, I agree with you, KT, and I think they feel the exact same way, that they're not going to be able to reach the success that they want to on offense unless there isn't some type of a run game threat that teams consistently have to worry about every single play that, hey, they might run in here. Because right now they're not scared of that at all. It would just be fascinating to me if it never gets back on track. Like, let's say that, you know, I, I fully expect them to go to the playoffs at worst be the four seed. And let's say they play the Rams in the first, who knows, Cardinals, whatever, in the first round. And in throughout this entire time, that playoff game, they lose and the offense doesn't click this entire time with everybody back healthy. It would just be mind boggling because you're just kind of like, eventually this is going to click because they have all of these players. This is what you want. You want the health on your side. You see these other teams. You see Godwin go out and, and the Bucks lose him. DeAndre Hopkins, he ain't playing unless at, at minimum they make the NFC Championship game. You see this drop up. The Cowboys have everybody. This, there are three receivers that they wanted that are these three 1,000-yard guys, these three number one guys. They're all there. you know. So I don't want to hear about, oh, if they had Blake Jarwin. Like They have enough. There is enough there that it should not look this bad. I'm not saying it to be the number one offense in the league, but it should not look as bad as it's looked for this long. I mean, it should be damn close. It should be damn close to the number one offense in the league with as much talent as they have. Yeah, and money that you've spent on it too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's another part of it. Um, but I, I think also the opportunities there, and that's why we kind of look at it and we have three weeks left to figure this out before the playoffs start. And who knows how they're going to handle week 18. I mean, they may not have to run anyone out there. And maybe they do. I mean, they still got a chance at home field. So there's a lot still on the table, obviously, with the Cardinals and the Bucks losing. Um there's still a lot on the table there. I think you want to avoid that four seed as much as possible. Because that four seed is playing the Rams, who didn't look great against Seattle tonight. But, you know, I don't. I think you'd rather take on uh, the Saints or a Vikings team or someone like that than the Rams. Or it could be the Cardinals. And I, for one, don't have a lot of interest in taking on Kyler Murray personally. No. But, but John makes a great point, dude. With Hopkins being out, Chris Godwin being out. I mean, the opportunity is is there for you. You know, Hold on, real quick, real quick. Let me ask yeah. you guys this. Let's say right now we had Dak Prescott on the show and we were hooking him up to a lie detector test. Who would you say right now would win out as his the receiver receiving option he's most confident in right now? Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz. <laughs> CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> I, I agree with Dalton. I think it's Dalton Schultz. Maybe. I, if it's Amari Cooper, how, how does Amari Cooper, Cooper get five targets and, what, catch two balls against that Giants defense? How does that not happen? I can understand it if the offense is clicking and you're playing against, like, a better competition. You're like, we're not going to force anything. When you're trying to get something going, I personally think it should be Amari Cooper. But I, actions speak louder than words. And I see these stats, and I'm just like, I don't know that it's Amari Cooper right now. How, how is he I, not getting more targets? I think that's legitimately COVID. His. Yeah. I mean, he he had bad COVID. Like he didn't have yeah. the COVID where you just feel bad for a couple of days and you're good. He he was feeling down for a while. I think he got. I think he, and he looked slow. Like he looked a little slower. Like it was pretty yeah. visible that he was a step slow. His last game over 51 yards was on Halloween. Yeah, Vikings. Yep. I was gonna say we're we're kind of due for an Amari game. Like yeah, <laughs> hopefully we have one in the playoffs, but. Uh, we're due overdue for one at this point. Does he? Ha- this is a bad question to ask without allowing everyone to look up. Does he have a history of disappearing at any time of the year? No, the biggest no. the biggest one with him is the home and away. You know, right. there's been a long period of time yeah. where it's been his stats were yeah. a lot better at home than they were on the road. Maybe it, maybe it goes back to that. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying that that sure. couldn't happen. I just I see five targets, two catches for eight yards. 
out of your $20 million wide receiver, number one guy, like there's something wrong there against the Giants. And you're trying to get the offense going again. Like you just don't have a lot of excuses. I'm sorry. Like the only excuse you'd have is to literally say like, like tomorrow we go to the press conference and McCarthy's like, yeah, uh, Amari isn't completely healthy. We're going to let him rest this game. And, and and he's got like some issue injury. And that's not it. But I'm just saying like, that would be the only thing I could come up, come up with. Cause like you mentioned, the you mentioned the Minnesota game. 13 targets in that game since then five targets four targets two targets seven and five like if you're trying to get the offense going he seems like the guy that you'd want to force it to okay here's his career monthly here's his career splits for for months of the year granted it's a little unfair because we know in december maybe you're sitting out the last game although january is now when the last game happens or maybe you're running the ball things like that not not throwing as much because of the weather his monthly splits for yards per game September 70, we'll round up, 73. October 78. November 63. December 54. His career monthly splits, he's averaging 20 yards less than he is in the first two months of the year and 10 yards less than November and December. So he's pretty much a Sean McVay offense. (laughs) Yeah, but one thing I'll I'll say about about a possible explanation with that is Amari's, Amari's strength is his route running, and in order for... In order for Dak to connect with a route running receiver, you have to have time to throw the ball. The offensive line has been banged up. And so this is not, you know, I I, I don't know. Where, I, I know we're just like kind of tossing out answers, but I'm just saying like, you know, when you look at guys like CeeDee Lamb or other guys like that, you're, you're able to throw those trust balls more often where I think Amari Cooper, the routes have to develop, especially down the field. Um, and, and Dak's been off too. Like it's not all on Amari, I think. And so Dak's been off. The offensive line has been patchwork. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, going back to his monthly splits, teams just throw the ball less oftentimes as the, as the weather gets colder. And, you know, maybe that's something that factors in as well. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's fewer targets, uh, total. It's a, the same amount of games. So, I mean, you can see that, but still, man, I, it's, it'd be nice to have your, I, the, you, the point is it, it would be great if it's him, if it's Gallup, if it's CeeDee Lamb, whoever, a big breakout game from the wide receiver. Because we've had a lot of games this year where we look at the box score and go, well, Dalton Schultz had the most targets or had the most catches. Usually mm-hmm. the most targets. Had a lot, of, a lot of games Cooper where like, the top there. receivers just like 65 yards, you know, and kind of spread, yeah. spread it out. And that's part of Dak's game is, is he's going to just see and take what he can get most of the time. He's not usually going to force many things except for once or twice a game over the middle of the field. I just think it's crazy that like, if he doesn't get hurt last year, I don't think there's any question that those receivers all each go over yeah. a thousand yards just because of the pace they're on. And you just look at it right now, it's like, yeah, CeeDee Lamb will definitely do that, obviously. But with three games ago, Amari Cooper's not even at 700 yards. Uh, Michael Gallup's not even at 400 yards. Like, and I understand Gallup missed a lot of time, but even since he's been back, like, other than that back of the end zone grab, he made it up in New Orleans or over in New Orleans. Uh, there really hasn't been a lot from him either. And this is a guy they, that people talk about. I thought about him a lot watching the Giants game because I think of Michael Gallup being like Kenny Galladay, where it's like, man, nobody really thinks that you're really a number one, like a true number one, number one, but you're going to get paid like a number one because of when you enter free agency like Galladay did. And obviously the Giants paid him like that. Um, but then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, like how much is Gallup is going to even command coming off of this season on the open market? Because... 
I, I just I expected it to be so much more than this. I mean, it just comes down to eventually you sit there and you're just like you make excuses like, well, Gallup's not doing this or Amari's not doing this because this is happening or whatever. It's like there's only 11 guys playing defense like everybody cannot be doubled. So I don't understand how like even if you're taking away this and this, how is this guy not open? Or if you're taking away that and that, how is this guy not open? It doesn't make any sense. Can I? Okay, so if you would have said that after the first month of the year or even midway through October that we were talking about the, the stats of the wide receivers and being disappointed in them, I mean, you're effing crazy, dude. But the one thing that I do go back to, and if, let's just wheel out the, the uh, dead horse. Okay, here's the horse again that we've been talking about. The thing that this keeps going back to, to me, there's the immediate timeline is the end of that New England game where Dak got hurt. And then there's a bye week and then there's a Cooper Rush win. Right? And then there's the Denver game. Like, that's where it all started. That's where it all yeah. fell apart for whatever reason. Damn you, Bill Belichick. Damn well, you. Well, you, you say about the wide receivers, like, oh, yeah, if we were criticizing them or whatever. I honestly shed more light on the wide receivers now, I think, than ever before. And oddly, it's because of the defense. And the reason I say that is because we didn't expect the defense to play this well, particularly rushing the passer. And if they were clicking on throwing the ball all over the field, they would be blowing these teams out because if they had to play catch up, they would be getting destroyed. All these quarterbacks having to sit back there while Dan Quinn could just let Micah Parsons pin his ears back into Marcus Lawrence and Neville Gallimore and Randy Gregory. Like we've seen that even without them scoring a lot. Yeah. If they had these if they were clicking on the offense, they would be annihilating some of these teams because they would be trying to play catch up with these subpar quarterbacks, subpar offensive lines dropping against, dropping back when and these four monsters are pinning their ears back, they would be getting annihilated. We might even be talking about four turnovers, takeaways game. We might be talking about like six or seven in one of these games. It might have been so out of you would eliminate a team even thinking of running the ball against you because they'd have to try and play catch up. And so because of that, that's why it stands out to me so much because this defense is built for to start destroying teams if you get a lead on them. That's all you got to do then. It's as simple as that. I'm conflicted though. Like Gosh. if you look at this, if you look at the schedule, it's the win over the Chargers, maybe the win over the Patriots. Y'all feel free, feel free to throw out another game playing with the Buccaneers in week one. Like you look at the schedule, there's not like an overly impressive victory. And then I'm like conflicted about how I feel about how that makes them stack up with Arizona or Green Bay or the Rams Oh, I thought the New England one was impressive. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a prisoner of the yeah, moment just, guy though. I never panicked two. on Patrick Mahomes. I never. No, I mean, Saad no. has heard me say this over and over again. I never sleep on Bill Belichick. So anytime you get a win against anything on that level, I don't care if it's well, they didn't play. They weren't playing their best at that time. Yeah, watch more football. Like these are proven commodities. <laughs> like don't sleep on these things. Okay, and and winning up in up in New England. I don't care if they yeah. had a rookie quarterback or not, and that's why that game wasn't easy. I don't care how they were playing at the time. That that's a big time win right there. And but they, to be honest with you, like I think the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl, but like it wouldn't completely stun me if the Patriots did. That yeah. that to me is the most impressive win. They got 600 yards that game almost. I mean, yeah. they were. Uh, although it did go to overtime, and the Chiefs got a bunch of COVID today. How about that? I saw that. See all yeah. that whole roster going down pretty much. Did. But oh, I, I agree with you, John, because when I saw Randy was coming back and you were getting Tank Lawrence back healthy as well, you look at that on top of what they were already doing defensively without either of those two guys and just Micah running off of the edge. That is and that that's a Super Bowl winning pass rush right there. If the offense oh, yeah. can just wake up a little bit. 
That's how good oh, they are. And then you A-Rod. also behind them have Trayvon Diggs, who is probably the premier. Maybe JC Jackson is a little bit better of a ball hawk overall, but one of the premier ball hawks. And the rest of the defense is taking the ball away too. So you have guys taking it away on the back end, guys that can pass rush on the front end. If you get ahead of teams, John, you're right. They're not just going to beat teams. They're going to beat the shit out of teams. And that's the thing, like when being in New York, like I said on the podcast, like I, after the game, like it really reminds me of some of those Giants teams when they had Stray, Strahan and OCU Minora and uh, Justin Tuck and Jason Pierre-Paul. Like it wasn't like, I mean, did they have good players in the back end? Yeah, they were they were solid. You wouldn't win a Super Bowl if, if you were bad on the back end. But the reason they won is because of those guys up front and how you can wreck a game, uh, particularly in, in a game where it's, you know, win or go home type thing. Those are the those are guys that make the game-changing plays that completely destroy things. And so if the offense could just get anywhere close to where it was, I mean, I don't see how people can't look at this as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I mean, and that's what's yep. so crazy about it is if they can just stay healthy and finally get some type of rhythm on offense, I mean, there's not a team that they can't beat. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dak has already been pressured. I mean, blitzed 138 times this year. No, Dak would love to be blitzed right now. No one's no one's blitzing anymore because they're just going to sit back. He was blitzed a total of 66 times all of last year. We kind of chuckled at that whole Vic Fangio having the blueprint thing, and I'm not saying that they did, but it is interesting how things changed from that point going forward, you know. And it also makes me wonder is just like how is how has no team been able to come close to replicating what the Saints have done against Tampa Bay? I mean, obviously the Saints have talent, but there's other defenses that have talent. No one has come close to playing Tom Brady and the Bucks the way that they have. I do think the Cowboys have that type of a defense that they could, if if they played the Bucks, like I think they could cause that type of havoc. But again, you have to get a lead though, so that they have to play from behind and are throwing it all the time. You can't allow Tom Brady to to move the chains and, and then get Leonard Fournette involved and things like that. Like he'll he'll eat you up. You got to get a lead on him where he's got it forced to, you know drop back in the pocket. Obviously his mobility isn't there at his age. And this is the type of defense that could wreck that. But if the offense is playing like this right now, you're not going to put up enough points against a good team like Tampa Bay. And certainly not Green Bay. If week 18 doesn't matter, and let's say that the offense is status quo, 
we're still just not there. And by not there, I mean October, right? Uh, we're still not there. How do you see them handling Week 18? If Week 18 doesn't matter. Uh, I, I still think, I, I mean, now it also matters where their seating is. I think, you know, if they're, if they have the bye week, then I think they, they, they have a better chance of maybe playing that a little bit or, or treating that kind of like a third preseason game. Maybe um, I, I think that's, that could be a possibility, but I think if you're banged up and you're going into the playoffs, uh, I don't think you kind of, I, I think you treat that as the bye week if that's the case. I, I don't think that Mike McCarthy would be putting anybody uh, out there that of of note if everything if there's no improving of anything. I just you look at his track record. You don't even have to look back to Green Bay. Just look what he's done since he's been with the Cowboys. He's been all about whatever scenario leads to the team being the healthiest. That's the route he's gone with. And so I, I don't think that putting Dak and the offense out there for a couple series in a meaningless game against Philadelphia. I I don't I don't see him doing that. I, it would surprise me. I mean now now don't get me wrong. I also would surprise me that he'd start switching offensive linemen after saying making the fantasy football comment last year. You know that certainly goes against it this year, making all the moves that they're making. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think it's he's, highly unlikely, and it would surprise me if he played those guys if everything's locked up. He's not the most consistent guy. Like I, uh, I heard uh, so yeah, the, the whole uh, talking about what he told. I saw I think Todd Archer's tweet chain, and I'm sorry if you had a tweet chain about it too, John. I did, uh, <laughs> but about the uh, you know. The handoff and not calling a timeout at the end of the half, 10 seconds, it could have been, you know, if you take the timeout, you have a shot at the end zone. But he, you know, explained himself. And that's what I'm trying to tell people, just to not get fooled by that. It's a great thing about him. He's not going to do like the Garrett thing and just like, oh, you know, he will explain himself. But he will just explain himself to cover up what happened and not like give you an honest like, because... It is weird to me that you wouldn't take the timeout and go for a touchdown when you're farting around at the end of the game and you're trying to like run up the score on the Giants a little bit when you could have just been handing the ball off and running out the clock. And maybe some of that's on Kellen. But like the whole idea, I just kind of laughed at the idea of, well, I didn't take a timeout with 10 seconds left because I knew the Giants couldn't score 12 points. So I knew we were in good shape. Like, oh, you were thinking that at halftime? No, you weren't. You were not thinking. If you were, that's crazy. You don't think like that in the NFL. That's terrible. The, Gi- the Giants are bad, KT. No, I know they're bad. I know they're 12 bad. Po- 12 points sounds like a lot. No, I understand. But, like, no one's thinking like that at the end of the second quarter in an NFL game. Especially when the Giants get the ball coming out of half. Because you wanted to receive. Uh, yeah, Why? I mean, it's happening. I don't like that either. No, neither do Sorry. I. I like what he's done for the culture, and I'm a big McCarthy fan. I think everyone knows that. He is, he's honestly, this past eight games or so, done, done an excellent job. I feel like we haven't dog-cussed McCarthy on here in a long time. He hadn't been put in a position to make a, a critical decision. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. When he's put in that position, how do you feel? And I don't know if that he's been put in a position to make a critical decision. But yeah, kind of true. As you said. And, and I mean, that's not going to happen for the rest of the season. So that can maybe never happen. I mean, right? you'll get through the whole playoffs, just blow everybody Dude, out, get the trophy, hope, go home. Yeah. You know, there ain't going to be any close games. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah what he happened won't have to, to, he won't have to make any of those. Greg Zerline ain't going to have to make any big kicks. Everything's going to be fine, guys. <laughs> that's what happened in 2010. That's what happened in 2010. He didn't have to worry uh, about uh, it. Let me address that one real quick. As all, as, as I'm sure you guys would agree, the confidence level in Greg Zerline, especially in a big game right now, isn't great. 
But kind of like going back to the running back thing, like <laughs> you've made your bed. Like, where are you going now? Like off off the scrap heap, guys that are kicking right now that are free agents, you're going to trust that guy in the playoffs? Like you can say what you want about Zerline, but they're kind of stuck with it. Like you're not going to go, let's say if Brett Maher gets back out in the free agency, you're going to be like, yeah, we go got Brett. Yep, we're going to go put him out there in playoff games and we're expecting him to kick big kicks. I mean, come on now. That sounds silly too. So what are you going to do? I mean, unless, I mean, you, got, you could address it in the off season for sure. But right now where they're at, I don't know of many teams that just go out and in free agency are just like, go get another one of those Justin Tuckers that are out there. We'll be fine. Like, where is that guy? I'll just say that the Buccaneers are asking themselves the same thing about Ryan Suckup. The Green Bay Packers, who some think is the best team in the league, they have the worst special team unit in the history of football. Their special team like, unit it is, is hilariously bad. It is com- it's a comedy show. It truly is a comedy show. Like, it's so bad. Like they and they and they did the fantasy football bit in week twelve by switching out the long snapper. They're like, now we're cutting the guy. Bring the long snapper in. Crosby's yelling at the punter for having a bad hold. Like the Packers and Bucks have a big time kicker issues too. So just because we're doinking and donging, you know, extra points. I, the thing about Zerline, as I'll say, man, I feel pretty good for launching a fifty four yarder. I feel okay about it. Fifty four yarder right before the half. I was feeling pretty also, good about those. <laughs> I also think that, you know, just the fact that just how inconsistent he's been probably eggs on McCarthy a little bit more to go on it on some of those fourth downs. And I kind of like that, too, just because I, I think uh, I, I think if you I think he's the kind of coach who if he had uh, Dan Bailey in his prime type kicker, he might fall back on that a little too much. Um, so I kind of like it that that uh, Greg Zerline kind of ke- even keeps his own coach on his toes. If there, there's no you know question who- that he wants that number one seed worse than anyone because <laughs> if they were to get the one they he doesn't have to kick outside at all yeah. so yeah. i'm sure he would love that you know who i want i want matt prater arizona yeah. every time prater kicks a football i'm like man he just struck that ball really well and yeah, I yeah you know what else funny about him is that he always hits the smelling salts right before all these kicks he always brings them out there with him <laughs> always he that's always big, hits that's it right a big thing him. man in the nfl i didn't you don't realize that until you stand on the sideline. You oh, look yeah, down and all it's over. just all smelling salts. <laughs> on the, have you seen that clip of somebody doing it to Pam? I think it was Richard Sherman or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Doing no, it no, it was, uh, it was Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. Yeah, no, to, to, your point, Ken, to your point, Ken, it's definitely on the uh, the turf fields. They really stand out. Oh, that man. All over the place. I, I yeah. used to zoom in on Zeke in the huddle, like during mm. TV timeouts, just going to town on the smelling salt and then like right when the whistle blows he like throws it aside and then he gets the ball like four seconds later i'm like dude that guy is on a his brain is on a high when he's getting that ball so he can it's just funny to see prater do that because it's just like the ball is just like it's a cannon coming off his leg and just see him hit that before all those nhl too it's a it's um yeah, it's like an artificial stimulant for them a lot of times to get their we get the their whole, mind in the game. You know, get the whole off. Maybe we give Kellen a shot of that too. Get the whole offense taking that. It is funny that Prater got arrested for a DUI inside of a hotel. I'll never forget that story. But that's neither here nor there. I think that was back. John, in his- will you do a smelling salt on the show if we uh, if you lose the the uh, I'd, predictions? I'd do this one year? right now for fun if someone had one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that'll be the punishment. For whoever okay. loses, we'll do a smelling I'll do that salt. right now. I've, I've kind of always wanted to. Okay, okay. how, how about Done. this? We'll, uh, we'll have some bet. The loser has to go to Shotgun Willie's in Glendale, the same place where Prater was arrested. <laughs> oh, is that where it was? <laughs> and you have to take the smelling salt then. Uh, Wait, it was in Arizona? It was in Arizona? Yeah, weird deal, man. It's a weird deal. How long ago was that? 
2011. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Wild story. Yeah, in the company of a female employee of Shotgun Willies. Okay. Which is a uh, don't piss off a kicker. Which is a strip I mean. club, according to Wikipedia. So I don't know, man. Okay. Uh, hey, all I'm saying is Prater's the best kicker in the NFC, uh, in my estimation. I don't know what the I don't know what the, the 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 rates would say on that. I don't know what the stats would say on that, but whatever, figure that out. Um, uh, we talked about how good the defense is. We've done that. Like, here's my question around the horn: If you had to play, let's say that you got the Let's rule out the one seed for now, for the sake of this conversation. If you if you were the two or the three, though, right? What team would you not want to play? If you were the two or the three seed in that wild card game at home, obviously you're not be scared of any of these teams because you're better than they are. But what team would you least like to face? Some of these teams you've played this year. One you beat with Cooper Rush in Minnesota. Obviously, you had New Orleans a few weeks ago. Uh, San Francisco's a, an, uh, a team to think of there. Atlanta weirdly still in it. Philadelphia and uh, Washington technically still in it, you, although you could probably get rid of Washington uh, next, uh, on Sunday night. Is there a team that jumps out at you as like, man, you know what? I, I really not like to play them. San Francisco. The Cardinals in San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco play. San Francisco's the one, I think, too, as well. Jimmy Garoppolo is starting to play better, too, and, and they're really – Giving him the rain, so uh, yeah, San Francisco. And San Francisco, they just they they run the ball well. They play good defense. Um, I don't know what is it like in their last six games. I saw somewhere they're like five and one or something like that. I might be wrong. I don't know. I know they've won their last two, but they seem to be trending in the right direction. Uh, so for first round games, I'd say them. You know, especially with Hopkins being out. I'm just man. You the Lions are bad, and for yeah. you to just destroy the Cardinals like that. That's that just didn't look great, and so, uh, yeah, San Francisco just seems like they would just I don't know, like on paper they Kittle, just don't seem like they match up well. Kittle and Debo also, are tough, tough matchups for this Cowboys team. Yeah, yeah, and also I think Kyle Shanahan is kind of who we thought Sean McVay was, like you know when he was starting off, and there was all the Sean McVay hype, and not that Sean McVay is not a good coach or anything like that, but I think Kyle Shanahan is a really good coach in his own right. Yeah, I think so too. And I, like San Francisco, I think is the they're, they're physical up front, and that's one thing that kind of jumps out at me. But like, when does a team try to say, you know what, we're going to run right at the Cowboys, right at the middle all game long, and had any success doing it? Outside of the five minutes in New Orleans where Taysom Hill was just taking quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, like he was taking the snap and running forward. That was really odd. He was just plunging ahead. I do think I would throw New Orleans in there, and I realize that Taysom Hill can't throw. But if you think about that game, they didn't have Kamara. And while I'm not scared of him at all, I it's not exactly not a matchup. with Hill, right? Is those that? Yeah. Yeah. With the Kamara, right? At least we saw that the other night. It seemed to be working. But their defense is pretty good, too. Like that's, I think I'd rather take on someone like Minnesota, you know, or something like, or, or the Eagles, you know, something like that. I'll, Although the Eagles have played some some pretty good football lately too, I mean they've they've yeah, been okay. Yeah, but they don't play the Cowboys well. Yeah, and I don't think they will. I mean, when Hurts is no. forced to throw the ball, it's trouble. The only teams that scare me, period, is the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams. So, whatever we got to do to stay clear of them as long as we can, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm really but, interested I mean, to anything see anything can happen this NFL, but yeah, the Arizona game. I, I mean, I couldn't, if, 
I don't even have an idea of like what the the line would be on that game. I don't even have an, a a good feel for how he, to to stack those two teams up against each other. And I know I are you talking about in the playoffs or no, are you talking about week, their next week game? seventeen, the next one? Oh, it'll probably be like four to six. Cowboys by four minus four to six. And I mean, just look at they've been like ten plus yeah. against Washington and New York and. Arizona now coming out. Now I guess they're, it depends on how Arizona plays this they're week. Playing the Colts, but coming this week, off that, get coming off that Lions loss without DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think that Vegas is respecting him like they were maybe four or five weeks ago. Well, they're yeah. still giving they're still giving them giving them one point against Indy. So Vegas still kind of likes the Cardinals, but after this week they probably won't. I'll take that. Indy's a the, team I wouldn't want to mess with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want to play them in the playoffs. Yeah, another, Carson Wentz. another thing that though, about that game, and it, we shouldn't even waste time talking about it, but I'm bringing it up. It's like I'm just assuming that all these games are going to happen, like that Colts-Cardinals game is going to happen Saturday night, and the Cowboys-Washington game is going to happen on Sunday night. Like, Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if we had another Tuesday, Tuesday slate next week, just given that every single day at 3 or 4 p.m. we're seeing all the test results get reported, and it's yep. just like, oh, here's – 20 more big names in the league. And here's 40 more. Like Chiefs, man. Tyreek Hill and it's Travis gonna Kelsey. Man, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's getting it's getting crazy. Yeah, the NFL certainly opened up that door. Do you think we're going to get a Garrett Gilbert appearance for Washington this week? What's it going to be? I mean, they're, they're having a, a tough time for uh, the old football team up there. Yeah, it's going to be close. But I think that if you go by how many dates out, I think Tyler Heineke's got a pretty good chance of being ready by Sunday night. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, who knows, you know? I mean, if he doesn't pass the test, I, I don't know. I didn't think Garrett Gilbert was bad, you know? I don't know how much of the game you guys watched. No, it's, I yeah. it was okay. Like, coming off of yeah. not being with the team for more than a handful of days, if that, you know? Yeah, and also, he's the he's the quarterback who's taking the most Cowboys practice reps in training camp this year, so <laughs> that'll be a, that'll <laughs> That's be a good point. <laughs> Dak, Dak, should I go in and take these reps? I didn't ask you to go and take those reps, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, Dak hates him for whatever reason. God, he is mad. Uh, the you know, Cal Allen wasn't terrible two weeks ago. You, no. Obviously, you don't want him on your squad probably, but he's not terrible. Yeah. If I'm Heineke, I'm like, you know, I'm good. You know, Michael Parsons abused me two weeks ago. I'm good. Like, I don't want any of that. Like, I wouldn't want to play against the Cowboys defense right now. I mean, that's <laughs> – I'm sorry. Is there I a more disappointing for... unit in the NFL than the Washington defense this year, though? I mean. It is weird, man. It is weird. And they started playing well. Like, I remember there's a lot of buzz before the Cowboys game. Like, oh, here their defense is stringing it together. And then it's like, oh, maybe our offense is just not playing very well. Had to take a lot yeah. of Jalen Hurts ran all over him tonight. I got another question for you guys on uh, something about I wrote today. I said that I I think Dan Quinn is arguably the biggest offseason acquisition in the entire NFL, and I wrote that with not. I probably should have given it more thought, yeah. but I was basically comparing it to Dan Quinn, and I had Matthew Stafford in there. What am I missing? Is there anything else that you guys can think of an offseason acquisition that has just made like a tremendous improvement? To obviously, it has to be a team that's a p- top playoff contender. I don't really care about some, yeah, you know, oh, the team league. that's barely making the playoffs or not. Yeah, entire league. I don't, a coach, a player, anything. Yeah, I don't think it's as as big, but Matt Judon in New England, I think, has been really yeah, good. That's a good one. Um, 
I guess you could make the argument Micah Parsons, the addition to him, but I feel like Dan Quinn is as contributes to that too. If you were going to consider, oh those yeah, because they could have they could have completely wasted they could have completely wasted Micah Parsons at linebacker yeah. all year and not rushed him. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's part of Dan Quinn as well. It could have got to the point though where he just started freelancing and rushing on his own yeah, with la- with last been. year's coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about Mac Jones, John? I don't put even Mac Jones on the Matthew Stafford, so you gotta beat you gotta beat the Stafford edition for me to. Okay. They're not winning because of Mac Jones. Mac Jones is being coached by Bill Belichick. Mac Jones right now is not with the Detroit Lions. They probably don't even have a win. I've never seen a team be so good at screens. I yeah. I, I swear they get ten plus every single time. It doesn't matter if it's a running back screen, a wide receiver screen. They're getting ten plus every single time. It's always like a fresh dude. They're like, it's like, oh, it's Bolden now. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen right. him yet. Oh, he's fresh. Oh, it doesn't matter who the running back is. It's yeah. amazing. But that's always the way the Bills been. Rex Burkhead will go play a game for the Texans and then fly up and put on a Patriots uniform and like catch a screen. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on? No, they, uh, what about Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, John? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never mind. I'm going to go edit that story. <laughs> um, that also made me think I was doing a radio show earlier today. We are talking about how, why isn't there a, uh, like an assistant coach of the year award, you know how like there's the Broyles award in college football. Like there mm-hmm. should be that. I mean, yeah, there obviously are assistant coaches every year. Whether I mean, I'm just thinking recently, like the Brian Dables and things like that, that have been a big part of why a team's won. And and it's kind of odd that they don't have that. Basically, we were talking about it because if they did have something like that, how could Dan Quinn not be in the running for that right now? Yeah, well, and that kind of brings me to a question that I've been burning to, to ask somebody that's kind of in the building and talking to these guys. Do you think that he would take a head coaching job? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I think he absolutely loves what he's doing right now. I, I He loves the idea of having a healthy Neville Gallimore, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons. There's no question <laughs> about good. Yeah, it, it, he loves all of that. So don't get me wrong. I mean, but... There's just uh, he just to me feels like he would lo- he would love to get another chance to be head coach. Like I don't think that I don't, obviously nobody's pleased when they get let go, but I don't think he got let go by the Falcons and was like, well, I just I guess I'm just not head coach material. Like that's not Dan, yeah. not it's not the Dan Quinn that I've I've been around. So uh, yeah, I think I think he takes you know if anybody offers some job, I think he takes it, and, and I and I think he should. I mean, how often do you get chances to get? these type of positions. So yeah, if someone offers him a head coach job, he should take it. If, if Seattle re-racks tonight, I was thinking about them while I was watching the game tonight. I was like, if they end up blowing it up or re-racking or God knows what they'll do with Russell Wilson. But if they're like, you know what, Pete, sorry, we're, we're starting over. It's like, man, he's probably got good relationships there in Seattle. Dan Quinn could be a, could be a name for Seattle. Well, what about yeah. Denver? What about Denver? I, I hope it, not though, because that, that Seattle roster is a mess and it's yes. going to be a mess for a while. Yes. But what about Denver in, in, in a sense of where you get, it's like, you, you know, he goes over there or something like that, and they're willing to spend to go get Aaron Rodgers or or, or, uh, or Russell Wilson or somebody like that. You remember, like, during the draft, there was those, those yeah. like, rumors about Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos or something like that? I, I only say it because it's like you, you're, like, the defensive-minded, kind of like how he was in the Falcons. You're the defensive-minded head coach. Obviously, you know, Matt Ryan and, and the offense was his own thing. Schottenheimer, I was, I'm not, sorry, not Schottenheimer. Uh, Shanahan was a big part of that. But, I mean, Matt Ryan won an MVP like that. So maybe you put him with a really good proven quarterback and it's kind of like, 
you handle the offense. I'll take care of this defense, and let's see if we can get back to a Super Bowl. You know, what about Las Vegas? I mean, that's kind of what he's doing. That's kind of what he's doing right now, too, right? I mean, like, in, it's the it's the inverse. Like, I don't think Mike McCarthy has much to do with the defense, and he just kind of tells Dan Quinn, "Hey, you do your defense thing and and, and do it well," and that and that's basically what he's doing. But uh, some fun fun like middling teams just while we're while we're on it, Vegas, because uh, they've got Basachi in there right now. If yeah. Zimmer doesn't survive in Minnesota that could be interesting does Stefanski make it if the Browns implode down the stretch here just given the turmoil between so. yeah, him and probably. Baker he probably does I I I would keep Stefanski before I kept Baker yeah Baker's garbage dude well and he's he's legitimately banged up and has been all year but he has not been good this year yeah he's also Dan, like a jerk to Dan, reporters Dan I don't Quinn like took- that if Dan Quinn did take a job uh, somewhere else, I, I think that there's a good bet that Joe Witt Jr. would end up being the Cowboys defensive coordinator. I just know that they think highly of him and obviously has ties with McCarthy. He kind of took on a little bit more of that defensive coordinator role in the, in the Saints game. Um, and he just, he actually said his dream job is to be the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He wants to be either be the Cowboys <laughs> oh, defensive on, coordinator or the... Um, Auburn head coach. He's always wanted to coach at Auburn. Oh. I think he's from that or area. Eagle. Yeah. So those are the two jobs that he has on the top of his list. So, and I think he, I think he would be in strong consideration, but then again, that's also if Dan Quinn doesn't take him with him to be his DC. So who knows, but it is interesting because I just don't see how any, anybody in that profession would turn down a head coaching job. Like I just don't like there's only, there's only 32. And really I hate when people even say that there's 32 because there's not 32 because there's so yeah. many jobs that are just never going to become available. Especially yeah. if you've done it and you've made it to the level that right. he has and right. lost it. I can't yeah. imagine he doesn't want to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Man, two months ago we were having the same conversations about Kellen. If I'm right. Kellen, I don't this want this damn football team. Job. I don't want the, I don't want the pressure. Can you imagine yeah. if this was? The, I use it. I use it as leverage to stay with the Cowboys if I'm him. But aren't, aren't y'all glad this is the About Them Lions podcast? I mean, we yeah. I, I I tell my brother all the time. Uh, I just I love so, Dan Campbell though. It would be <laughs> so daunting. We have a Lions pod here in the Athletic. It's great. It would be so daunting to cover them every week, like especially this time of the season where you're just like, all right, what are we talking about here? Like draft already. Our Lions pod is called One of These Years. Because it's like <laughs> one of these years will be good, and, you know. Oh. It's not this year, but maybe ne- one of these years. That's the thing people tell me all the time. That, like Cowboys fans will say, like, you know, I just I will not I won't believe in, in them until it finally gets done. I've seen too many teams like this where they talk about Super Bowl and all that stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, but at least you're talking about that stuff. At least you're making the playoffs, winning the division, and things like that. I mean, year after year, going through the million years, going through the Patricia years, like, I mean, those things all, oh, and then the Wayne ownership Fonts. never changes. Wayne Fonts is like a, deserves a statue compared to those guys I just named. It Bobby sucks Ross. because it's like with most organizations, you'd be like, well, if they only had a quarterback, it's like, they've had a quarterback for the past how many uh, years and they still haven't won. So it's the, one of the, they've had one of the greatest the receivers, the greatest you know, running yeah, back. I mean, yeah. where can you point the finger at? It's crazy. I just uh, had man, they, they uh, ownership. Were, That's exactly where you okay, point the finger, yeah, Ken. Do you want the answer is ownership. Yeah, the Lions. Yeah. yeah. They thought they were so close with Jim Caldwell that they're like, nine and seven isn't good enough. We we need better. And yeah. it 
never went. It never Talk went. about another. I remember covering that game in 2014, that playoff game, John. Yeah, that Detroit team was scary as crap, man. I oh, the, the scariest thing of, this, of that team. The scariest thing about that Detroit team is just how close they were to drafting Aaron Donald. And if you would have had Donald oh. on that team, I mean, there's just no way that they I, at least go to the NFC Championship game. You're talking prime Sue with Aaron Donald, and that's Ooh. the best year Ziggy Ansah had. He was a monster that year. Oh my, yeah, and they missed out on him, and they, they're paying for it now. But that's cool because hey, it's cool they got Eric Ebron. Sorry. What? I just got, I know we're about to get out of here. I just got hit by a Dan Quinn bolt of lightning uh, for, from the conversation three minutes ago. Okay. Joe Judge. Let's say he doesn't survive in New York. Yeah. Oh, Dan he's, he's going to. He's yeah. surviving. And I don't know why, but apparently Mara loves him. And it's I think it's one of those things with well, like with Jerry and Jerry and Jason where he thinks that he has his Bill Belichick. And it's amazing to me because I don't see it at all with Joe Judge. But they're about to fire their GM and incredibly limit the pool that they have to choose from for their general managers because only a select few are going to be able to take that job or going to want to take that job and be told who their head coach is. Yeah, if if the Giants even came close to making an offer to Dan Quinn, he's absolutely gone. I mean... That's the thing. I can sit here and not watch the Lions for months, but at the end of the day, I'll always follow the Lions because that's the team you grew up. I mean, then that's what it is for Dan Quinn. I mean, grew up loving the Giants, Lawrence Taylor, all that stuff. No way he turns that job down. Bears too, iconic NFL franchise. That could be one. Who's that? I'm Russell, sorry. the Bears. Chicago Bears. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Russell yep. Wilson's uh, they're allegedly on his list of teams that he would play for. As are the Giants, though, right? So. Uh, yeah, but honestly, you go to Chicago, man. Like Aaron Rodgers out of that division, like that's it's it's you got Justin Fields, and it's a it's a pretty open division for sure. Yeah, your There's offensive coordinator of, would be a big time hire so. there. Whoever, yeah, you'd have to be that would have to you'd have to hit on that. Like, you get with Shanahan. That you would need a guy like like Dabble or something yeah. like somebody who is going to be able to develop a quarterback. But I, there's a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke right now about Russ to the Giants. And it's really starting to heat up. And honestly, I'm less scared about it now. Yeah, I would just, just say I would just say really that. So, that so I, I ran that by broke. a couple of I ran I ran that by a couple of uh, Giants writers uh, Sunday night, and they seem to think that they don't have the money to sign anybody like of that level, or even I'm sorry, not sign, but add uh, somebody of that level because of the contracts they've given out to like the Galladay's and uh, uh, what's it called? Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Uh, Oh, so I'm drawing a blank now. Leonard Williams, didn't they give him big money? Leonard Williams, yeah, they signed Leonard, yeah. There were some other ones, too, though. That There's another player that I was like, really, you guys paid him money? I can't remember who it was. No, I wish I had the roster in front of me. Uh, was it Blake Holder? Martinez? No. Oh, God, yeah, Kyler Fackrell, too, didn't they? Nate Solder? James Bradbury, they paid a ton there of money, There you go. Too. That's who it was. That's who it was. It was Bradbury, for sure. Um, what a weird franchise. What about oh you know you know who else it was Adoree Jackson too, and I don't know that they gave yeah. him big money but they they paid him. <laughs> Crap, we KT, nearly drafted okay? him. Well, we nearly drafted him. We were <laughs> in love with Adoree Jackson. Might be broken too. I mean, Giants are. His if one of those broken. if one of those teams in the NFC East doesn't get like one of these proven quarterbacks, like the Cowboys are just far far Walking. ahead of any of them. Yeah. 
They're it just does, walking to the playoffs every I mean, year yeah, it's, until one of these teams gets a quarterback. Yeah. It's insane. But it's it just like seems inevitable with year. those guys and Deshaun Watson that one of them isn't going to get one of these guys. All right, we've done enough damage here. Uh, Cowboys-Washington football team Sunday night. Uh, Let's get predictions. Yeah, oh yeah, predictions. Duh, i got to write them down here. Uh, we'll start with you, Saad. Uh, give me the Cowboys 31, Washington 21. And this is the game that I believe Amari Cooper gets back on track. <laughs> Dalton? Close. I was going to go 31 to 17 Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I think this is the game that Micah Parsons once again tries to make a case for defensive player of the year. 27 to 13. Easy win, bad quarterback play, great defense. And we will walk away from that game going, God, why is the offense just not there yet? (laughs) And we will have the same conversation we've been having for the last month. Basically. John? Oh, uh, 35 to 11. I think Washington scores first. And I Goes think Rivera wants to go for two, and oh. after so they'll have they'll have an eight nothing lead, and they will only manage a field goal the rest of the way. But they'll have their benches there. Cowboys holding to eleven benches. in in honor of Cole Beasley this week. Um, ah yes, shout out to him, and hope he gets well soon because he's got COVID too. He won't be playing. Oh hey, real quick on the sides point too about Amari Cooper, uh, we forget, but. Uh, Remember, it came down to Dallas and Washington for Amari on that free agency thing. Yeah, I feel like I feel yeah. like that just kind of yeah. thrown away. But it just sure. like how different would things be there? He's not. Hey, he's not getting targeted right now. I wonder. Wonder how he'd be doing with old Heineke slash Allen Ugh. slash Gilbert. But anyway, sorry, you're up, Ken. Uh, Ken. Yeah, I'll go. Cowboys twenty four, Washington fourteen. So still questioning the offense. Yeah, the offense isn't, isn't popping right now, so I'm not <laughs> not going to 30-burger on this one. I'm going to make that one guy, Victor, mad. I truly think it's as simple as giving Tony Pollard about seven or eight more carries than Zeke. I think I think it fixes everything. Uh, and There's, I wouldn't be surprised if in a playoff game you saw that. Like, they could be saving that for, you know, maybe he's the hot hand in a, in a game, and they're just like, let's just ride this, you know? It could potentially happen. I just don't know why you waste that right now. What do you need it for? Yeah, for who? At this for point, what? Against these this, teams? Why? At this point, you're right. Let let him get. Let him. I don't know. I, don't I might know feel different though a fasci- month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now with this plantar fasciitis and then it especially flaring up on that long touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, just if if rest it helps, then you know, give him that same workload you just gave him this past week. That Corey that should be enough. Carries. There you go. Hand it to McGovern. Uh, okay, so, so we'll talk to you. To uh, yeah, Dal- Dalton, uh, promote your stuff. Where can we find you? Do the thing. Uh, yeah, you can find my work at profootballnetwork.com. Uh, profootballnetwork.com. We are also on Twitch every single day, uh, live at 3 p.m. You can just search Pro Football Network for that. You can hear me talk. Um, and uh, you can find me tweeting quite a bit on Twitter, at Dalton B. Miller. Now and you can Twitch- tell that he does that by that chair that he's in, because that is a I'm not messing around chair right there. It's like a stormtrooper chair. It hey, it looks, it looks like so you I, just ripped that out of a out of a NASCAR. And you have to sit for extended I, periods of time. And all you, I do is sit. Comfy. 
I mean, I'm literally like, going to get one of those just for my place. Just I, I don't know. I need to get something like that. This I, Ikea chair I'm sitting on just isn't cutting it anymore. A, a good, a good like gaming chair is, it makes all the difference. Always go for comfort in chairs, not looks. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it looks awesome too. Sod, yeah. 10 seconds on the stars. What's going on with them? Oh, nothing. They're not playing. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, they they actually just got a really big big win over the Minnesota Wild. Scored a touchdown, got the extra point. Unlike Greg Zerline, um, beat the Wild seven to four. Um, so yeah, they're 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 on a, like a week long holiday break though. So it's uh they're they're kind of chilling right now. But they've won two in a row after they lost five in a row, and so uh, they're kind of back up on the mend. Uh, things are looking good. Happy holidays to the Dallas Stars. Saad Yusuf is their beat reporter. Here on The Athletic, make sure you check out Offside's work. Father John Mishota's got a new article up today. He's always got other stuff coming during the week because it's what he do. It's what he do. Uh, so make sure you keep track of him. Follow him on Twitter as well, at John Mishota. He's always taking pics of something that he cooked and, like, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I literally – I think I got about 60,000, 70,000 tweets, and I honestly can't think of one time I've ever – well, one, I don't think I've ever cooked anything. Two, taking a picture of it. <laughs> hot, hot Mashota food pics on is Instagram. Your, is your apartment <laughs> kitchen like when you moved in? Is it the exact same as when you moved in? Like, oh, about, it's just gonna be like, wow, no one touched this in three years. That's amazing. Hundred percent. You want to, my kitchen is is covered. My kitchen's covered in Chipotle bags. Yeah, exactly. Same. <laughs> same. I'm hoping same. CD Lamb delivers at one time. I don't know if you saw that video that was going around. Yeah, you and get a CD kid- burrito or CD yeah. bowl or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been making deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> And also uh, Kent Garrison, our producer, who also does Mad About Movies. Check that one out as well. And go see Don't Look Up if you get a chance. I would highly recommend that, Kent. Check oh, yeah. that out review. Uh, I'm KT. We'll be back after the Cowboys destroy Washington on Sunday night. This has been the la- uh, the latest edition. Not the last. The latest edition of the Cowboys. I fucked it up.